0: You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Morning.
1: morning. So so this is new.
2: Look at this. It's cool, right? And it stays on. <laughs>
1: For anyone timing me, like I'm going to give you some background before you start the timer. Um, um
2: <laughs>
1: Cheers Pete. There's something about the Cornford um, family. Isaac this morning goes, oh yeah, you'll be, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just don't choke. <laughs> no pressure there, none whatsoever. So uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, uh, I and my family have been part of the Redeemer family for about a year and a half now. Um, my uh, wife, my very lucky wife, Ivy. She's lucky because she's married to me. <laughs> no, no, sorry, sorry. I'm lucky because I'm married to her. Good save, right? We have three children, um, Ezra, Caleb, and uh, Naomi. I um, am an assistant head teacher in a local school, an outstanding uh, local school, uh, I, I must say. And um, Why am I here? Well, I I guess I'm here today to just be a vessel, really. A vessel that God uses to expand his kingdom by way of testimony. Can I testify? Yes. Awesome. I like this feedback. So, more of it, please. Like, I may look comfortable up here, but I'm really nervous. I haven't done this for maybe 18 months or so. And you know, we have some fantastic speakers in this church, and they make it look so easy. Pete gets up here week on week, and he just makes it seem like it's really, its like it's a little bit nerve-wracking. You're bringing the Word of God. I'm not just talking randomly to you. That would be fine. I can talk rubbish for ages. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the Word of God, and when you bring the Word of God, it's um, a little bit more nerve-wracking, yeah? So I need a few hallelujahs, a few amens. If you hear uh, or come across a bad character, I need to hear a boo. If you come across, like, a really good character, I want to hear a yay. yay. Awesome. Good stuff. So I'm speaking about um, Daniel today. Being, being in the lion's den. Yeah, you guys are good. Um, now, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking, like, either thought, noble being of African descent, I was born in Ghana, I'm a really good lion hunter, or something of the sort. Or... Why are you laughing? I could be. Like at the <laughs> age of four, can you imagine me like out in the jungle going, I'm boy, I'm boy, I'm
2: <laughs>
1: and then spearing a lion.
2: <laughs>
1: um, either that or God just really wanted me to share some of the great things that he has done in my life, some of the lions that he has saved me from. Um, I joke, but I believe firmly that I am a... Seasoned lion tamer. So, um, just to get us started, uh, for those of you who may not follow the series or who are new to the book of Daniel... Um, Daniel is written by Daniel himself. He's an exile uh, who has been taken to Babylon. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who was the king at the time, raided Jerusalem and ran off with basically the cream of the crop, all the nobility, all the royals, and he dragged them uh, to to Babylon to fit within their their political system, taught them um, their ways so that they could plug into what was this massive, vast nation, and here we have Daniel, he's writing to the, the, the exiles at the time, who, the Jewish people who are facing uh, a hard time. And he's saying, within this book, don't abandon your God. Don't abandon the Jewish way. Stay true to it. Stay focused to it. Don't eat food that's not kosher. Don't bow down to these small gods. God with a little G. Stick to the God. And when we start the book of Daniel, in Daniel 1, although that we didn't preach on it, we see Nebuchadnezzar come in and take Daniel and his friends. And then we get to Daniel 2, and Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and we see this God who gives wisdom when he, he helps Daniel to interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And essentially... He explains that this, this statue that Nebuchadnezzar reads about is essentially the rise and the fall of world powers. And then we move on to Daniel 3, and we see God who the God who affects deliverance, and we see the the, the this this image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar puts up. And in this with this image, he's asked the whole nation, to bow down to it. And Daniel's friends are saying, no, nah, I'm not having part of it. No part of it. We only bow to, to our God. And we see his friends be thrown into the fiery furnace, but come out unscathed. We move on to Daniel 4, and we see the God who abhors pride. And again, we see Daniel interpretate a dream that Nebuchadnezzar has about a tree that's cut off, And as a result of that episode, Nebuchadnezzar recognizes that Daniel's God is the God of gods, that God is in control. And then last week, we had the writing on the wall, where we see how God punishes evil. And this week, we're in the lion's den. We see a God, hopefully you will see a God, who guarantees protection. And in all of this, we see a really clear message or hear a really clear message. A message that says, no matter what, God is in control. God is in control of individual lives. But God is in control of the whole of history as well. I don't know about you, but this morning, I'm super happy that God's in control. I want to share some stories with you later on about how God took control of my life. But let's look at Daniel first. and um, I want to look specifically at how Daniel got into the lines then. What happened while he was in there and how Daniel got out. Or what happened when Daniel got out. I want to look at what happens when we pray and we trust God. I want to read God's word. And I am very mindful that um, I can be a little bit OTT with my talking. So I've asked for some people to help me. Uh, read. I think the corporate reading of God's word is a wonderful thing. So we're going to kick off uh, with Winnie, who's going to look at, if you're reading in your Bibles, we're looking at Daniel uh, Daniel 6, verses 1 through to 10. Your very best, please, Winnie.
2: supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him all over the entire empire. Then Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius, we are all in agreement. We, administrators, officials, high officers, advisers, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders for, that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign the law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down As usual, in his upstairs room and with its windows opened towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God.
1: Thank you, Winnie.
2: (laughs) Voice a bit deeper, yeah.
1: (laughs) So here we go. Um, Daniel's in this really weird predicament, but Daniel knows that this is a political power play. Like... Ultimately, let's think about this. Daniel hasn't cheated. He hasn't lied. He hasn't overspent on a budget. He hasn't, like, not met targets. He's not climbed into bed with, like, a woman who's not his wife. But yet, he's locked into this predicament, this high-speed train, if you will, heading to Lion's Den Central. First point that I think you might wanna jot down. In the same way that Daniel had done nothing to end up in this predicament. The same is true for each and every one of us. That actually it doesn't matter who we are, where we are in life, our position, our status, it doesn't matter. We could quite happily and probably do quite often end up in these really tricky situations. In Paul's first epistle, chapter 5 verse 8 I'll read it for you it reads be sober minded be watchful your, ad- your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour it doesn't matter who we are or where we are or how great we think we are the devil is constantly on the look for someone to take down and here we see him trying to take down Daniel now I would argue that Daniel did nothing to be in this situation, except by being an exceptional employee. That's, that's, that's probably as far as it goes to the dismay and to the dislike of his, his, his peers, his counterparts. All he did was a good job. Such a good job that his boss, the king, was looking to make him effectively prime minister. Such a good job. It reads, he was distinguished above all others because he had the spirit of God in him. I wonder, how many of us radiate the Spirit of God? I wonder, you know, when we're at work or at play, like, how many people look at us and go, the Spirit of God is in them? I find that quite challenging. Mm -hmm. Now, you may sit there, you may argue, and you say, well, actually, those... Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. There was a law that was put in place. No praying to God for 30 days. And Daniel went and prayed to God. So he's broken a law, right? Right? I know you're sitting there thinking, well, actually, yeah, yeah, there's a point. He has broken a law. And I'd agree with you, but here's the thing: like he prayed. He broke he prayed. He broke the law by praying. Like trouble loomed, Daniel got on his knees and he prayed. I'm challenged by this. I'm challenged by this because the human condition, when trouble strikes we kind of frantically look for a way to fix it, how we can personally use our skills, our abilities, our finances, our position to affect our situation. And here, Daniel's like, he just goes and prays. He could have waited 30 days. He's like, no. Why? Because Daniel knew that God comes before everything. The God that he worshiped holds the whole world Every situation, every individual, every circumstance, even the king who made the law holds him in his hands. So Daniel's like, Well, I'm not trusting man, I'm trusting God. How many of us hold God above all else? How many of us hold God above our work? Over our status, over our families, over our, our spouses, over our children. How many times do we put all of those things before we put God first? But here we see Daniel putting God first. I don't believe Daniel was being disobedient. I don't believe Daniel was breaking the law. And if he was breaking the law, I want to be a lawbreaker. I believe Daniel's situation is true for each and every one of us. If you're sitting here and you can hear me right now and you've got a beat in your heart and there's lifeblood that runs through you, then Daniel's situation is super relevant. Trouble will strike whether we like it or not. You may be sitting here and you may be in the midst of trouble right now. You may just have come out of problems. You may foresee problems about to hit you. Like as long as you're alive, trouble's going to strike, right? Not only are the lions prowling. Not only is the devil looking for a way in, but we just, just typically, as human beings, we're just really bad at making decisions sometimes, aren't we? Yeah. Even the wisest of us are bad at making decisions. If, we, if we're honest, we, what, I don't know about I am. My wife would say that I am always right. <laughs> she doesn't say it happily. She doesn't say it to validate me. She says it so that I can self-reflect. And if I'm honest, I don't always make the best decisions. I married her. That wasn't a bad one. (laughs) Would you agree? Would you agree with that? (laughs) She's looking going... "Mm." The problem here is not that Daniel made a bad decision, is it? He didn't make a bad decision. But yet, he, here he is, still faced with death. The story gets a little bit more interesting. Where's Lois? Where's Lois? Ah, would you read our next section for us?
0: Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before God. Then they came near and said before the king, concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he laboured till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God who you serve continually deliver you. And a a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of the Lord's that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and and sleep fled from him.
1: Thank you, Lois. So when I started thinking about how Daniel got out of the lines, then you'd think the king, the king who, like, signed this law, surely should be able to get Daniel out, right? But he couldn't. And I thought, well, okay, let's have a look at Darius for a minute in uh, trying to get some more clarity on this situation. Now, Darius was Belshazzar's successor, you know, the writing on the wall guy died, Darius has taken over. Now I would argue that Darius was a wise king or we can deduct from like what we've read that he's a wise king. Think about how he set up his, his council, how he's got governance and accountability over his kingdom that is Babylon. He knew who his star player was and he was about to promote him. You could be fooled into thinking that Darius was, was vain. Yeah, why don't I get everyone to worship me for 30 days? But I would argue that this wasn't a vanity maneuver. You see, when we read about the kingdom of Babylon, as vast as it was, it was made up of these nations that had been conquered. So within it, you had this, what I th- I think is deemed as a pluralist. Plur, plur, there was loads of people believing loads of different things. <laughs> you could believe in whatever God you wanted to, little gods, or believe in nothing. So there was loads of division. And essentially, Darius, in his wisdom, has gone, if we give these people a central focus, a central point of worship, we start to unify this kingdom. Get it? If you don't, think back to the 2012 Olympics. Now, Londoners don't really talk to each other, do they? Even in church, at the end of church, people are like, yeah, got to get to uh, Morrison's before we're done. I've got chicken in the oven. I've got to meet someone. Like, London's busy, isn't it? We don't have time to stop for anything, do we? But remember, in 2012, everyone was talking to everyone. You could be at the bus stop and some random would just talk to you. You had people volunteering for things. No one volunteered for anything. <laughs> but people were volunteering and, and happy to tell you about it. Look, oh, look I'm, going to, I'm going to the Olympics. Did you watch the race last night? Like they, like they actually care about athletics. It unified us as a nation, didn't it? I remember coming out of my house when the Olympic pro- procession was uh, coming down. I live in Axbridge. I woke up one afternoon, Ivy was still at work, I'd finished holiday early, um, joys of working in school, hey, yeah. and I saw the procession, I was like, I recognise that, and I ran out, it's about 60 seconds from where I live, my close, and the main road, and as I'm coming, there's this, like, racket, and I'm like, what's going on here? And I thought, you know, there was, like, a bunch of people following this, um, this, this, this procession, and I turned up, and there were about three, 400 people lining the streets. I was like, these people live here! I had never seen them before, and I've never seen them since. (laughs) But the point is, you have something that unifies people, and you're in a really good place. London was buzzing in 2012, right? And here we have King Darius, he's trying to do the same thing. This dude is not vain, not by any stretch of the imagination. We can also deduct that this guy is really compassionate. Either that, or he really loves Daniel. The words here read... That when he couldn't find a way out... First it says he spent the day trying to undo the law and he couldn't. When he realized that he couldn't find a way out, he didn't eat. It said sleep fled from him. He agonized over the situation. He was a compassionate guy. He was a wise guy. But yet, yet even with all of his power, he had no control in this situation. Before we move away from Daniel, like, I don't know if you've noticed, but in verse 16, it says, the king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that at some point, at this point, Darius has gone, actually, your God must be the real deal. I can't save you, but your God may just be able to do that. How many times, how many times do we come across that in real life? Where when there's nothing else, there's God. How many times do you see people, typically at football, worshipping on a Sunday, there's a goal that's about to destroy their lives, and then they start to pray. Who are you praying to? You were worshipping the players a minute ago. My boss, he's a sworn part-time atheist, part-time agnostic I really respect him. Great man, does an amazing job. But I can't get over this this flittering between being an agnostic and an atheist. But every time we have a challenging situation at school, he does this. Please God.
2: <laughs>
1: How many times do we see that? How many times do we see people bargain with God? You know, if you get me out of this situation, I'll give you some time. How often? how often have we done that let's move on i need to speed up a little bit paul has got the final part of the scripture for me daniel 6:19 to 24 we're going to look at what happens when daniel gets out
3: then at break of day the king arose and went in haste it's coming because I was found blameless before him and also before you O king I have done no harm then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God and the king commanded those who those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Wow.
1: So Daniel is saved by God. <laughs> oh, God me. You lot need to go hang out with some lions <laughs> and survive. I'm sure your yay would be a little bit more exciting. Like, so here's the drill. God saves Daniel from certain death. Daniel spends a night in a den of lions. More than one. (laughs) If it was one, maybe you could say like he hid under some rocks, you know, got some boulders over himself and managed to get through the night. This is plural. This is not Disney. There is no Simba or Mufasa. These are real timelines, and we know they are because we hear about what happens to the two other high officials and their families when they are thrown into the den of lions. These are real lions. They're not vegetarians. <laughs> like, they're real. Daniel had a confirmed 100% bona fide appointment with death, but he lived. Why? Here comes the first part of your takeaway. If you get nothing else from what I've said today, get this. When Daniel prayed, he called the supernatural into the natural. When Daniel prayed, he accessed heaven. When Daniel's knees hit the ground, he touched the sky. When Daniel prayed, he brought the supernatural into the natural. He called on God. He trusted God. And God delivered him. It reads, God sent his angels to shut the mouths of the lions. <laughs> Check the sequence of events. Daniel set up. Yeah? He's going... Die, (laughs) yeah. He's heading for the lions. Then he sees trouble brewing. Daniel gets down on bended knees, knocks on God's door. God, in his goodness, opens heaven, sends his angels down. Angel slaps the mouths of the lions shut, and Daniel's saved. What an amazing story, right? Wrong. I'm telling you now, that's no story, it's more than a great story, it's fact. This is truth here. This is real. And hopefully I can explain a little bit more in my testimony in a little bit. Jesus says in the book of John sixteen twenty three he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of, of the Father in my name, he will give to you. When you pray, to God in Jesus name God acts the theme through this book is that God is in control I ask you is God in control of your life have you given God control of your life or do you control it waiting for the alliance to come for you Jesus says in the book of John again He says, I've come to bring life, an abundant life. I'm saying the world offers you prowling lions. Jesus offers you life. Abundant life. Life comes from God, who's the author and finisher of all life. Now, because of Jesus, we have access to God. Through a healthy prayer life. We've read about how Daniel prayed. He prayed like three times a day. I'm gonna encourage you, pray often. I don't know if I manage three times a day. Sometimes it's a struggle. Life takes over, right? Don't let life take over. Pray often. Pray for your children, pray for your partners, pray for your families. Pray for your colleagues. Pray for your enemies. Pray good things for them. The Bible tells us to do that. Pray that you would have a deeper, richer relationship with God the Father. The Bible says God gives good gifts. So don't pray for lottery numbers. Because wealth will just hinder you from getting into heaven. I'm coming into land real soon. Not yet. <laughs> pray for your neighbours. What's my, what's my theme here? Pray. <laughs> pray. Pray. Pray for London. Pray for Redeemer. Pray for Ealing. Pray for our nation. Pray for the world. Pray for our world leaders. Because when we pray, we access heaven. When we pray we allow God to intervene in our situations. When we pray, we shut the mouths of lions. When we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus because he is our access to God. And when I finish, Pete is going to offer an opportunity for those of you who don't know this Jesus to get to know him. I'm around when we finish. If you want to talk to me about this Jesus who I know, please, I would love to talk to you more. And coming into land, let me just read the final part of this piece of scripture. Daniel 6, 25p, I promise I'm coming into land the King Darius then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth peace be multiplied to you I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel that's a yay moment that's a yay moment for he is the living God enduring forever his kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the lion from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The last thing that I want to say here is when did you last tell someone about the goodness of God in your life? As I sit here or as I stand here, as you sit there and you think about this story of them, I believe that there are people in you who have been saved time and time and time again. When was the last time you shared your testimony? When was the last time you told someone about God's goodness? When was the last time you prayed for God's glory to come to earth? You know, your answers, prayers, are more than just to save your life. They are to expand God's kingdom. To bring God glory in the same way that Daniel did and I'm here this morning not because I love public speaking, some who know me might say yeah well you're a big mouth you do, do, do. No. I like talking nonsense, it's easy I'm here because I want to expand God's kingdom and at the beginning I told you that I'm an assistant head teacher, what I didn't tell you is that I came to the UK at the age of four as a refugee what I didn't tell you is that Being immigrants, my parents didn't have much money. I have four brothers. Times were hard when we were young. What I didn't tell you is that at the age of 13, my dad died. What I didn't tell you is that life was really, really hard. Made worse at the point that dad went. I was all over the place. School was a myth to me. I I didn't, I didn't function well in school. I was a kinesthetic learner. School didn't cater for it. What I didn't tell you is that I left school with one GCSE. What I didn't tell you is that if you walk out of this hall and you turn left down the Axbridge Road, walk for about 10 minutes, you come to Ealing Common, facing the common are some flats, where at the age of 20, I took myself in the height of my want-to-be criminal career to go and regulate, let's say, a situation that had been blown out of proportion. What I didn't tell you was my lions were waiting in that flat. Three men. One with a baseball bat, one with a knife, one I don't know what he was there. Ready to write my history. Death was ready with jaws open wide for me. But I stand here today. Not a scar but a testimony of God's goodness in my life. The devil wanted me dead. God had a different plan. And you may say, no, well, were you praying at the time? No. But my mum was. So when I say, Parents, pray for your kids, pray for your kids. And as I go, I just want you to know that I'm an assistant head teacher. I haven't got a qualification to my name just one GCSE. I didn't aspire to that role. I didn't teach. I've never been classroom-based. Put me in front of a class of kids and you are going to have a merry, fun time. I didn't aspire to this position. Ivy and I, we take a day each week and we pray as a couple. The position was an answer to prayer. When you pray, you bring the supernatural. Into the natural. I'm going to end. Wade's going to play a song. Pete's going to come up. Thanks for your time. Praise the Lord.